praise the Lord. We do have cupcakes, so praise the Lord for that, hey? And we do have hats, so well done to you who are wearing your hats. Um, and uh, yeah, just so thankful to God for His faithfulness. The song that we put together onto this video is just so appropriate in the sense about His faithfulness. And, and none of what we've been able to experience thus far is because of anything we've done. It's all because of His grace. It's so good to see you. Good morning to all of you. Amazing. It's kind of like for most of you, the first time that I've seen you in 2021. We, we, we decided yesterday that we're not going to refer to 20 anymore. It doesn't exist in our minds, it seems. Last year called 20 is, is gone. It's over. We're now into 2021. Praise the Lord. <laughs> so as Clive had said, Happy New Year to all of you. It's our first time of gathering this year, and it's an absolute delight. It's so good to see you. I trust that you're all well, and I want to congratulate you for coming. Um, I think we're in a time where people are, again, unsure and un uncertain about, you know, should we, should we not. And, but well done. So give yourself a hand and a clap. And um, it's just great to be together. Praise the Lord for this. At the same time as we're meeting here, our, um, our um, I don't know what the right word is, our church that we're connected to, that we have had the privilege of, of seeing God plant in Vic Falls is also meeting this morning. And so there's something great happening there. And I want you to be aware of it, that God is, is doing a wonderful work in Victoria Falls I can't tell you how much interest there has been in terms of what God is doing, in terms of the church there. Every week almost we have people asking, what's happening? Where are you guys meeting? And et cetera, et cetera. So this morning, um, it's so exciting that they could gather. And actually this week is a major thing that will be happening. And I want to ask you to pray for it. There's a curse, uh, not a curse, a course. <laughs> There's a course called Alpha. How many of you have ever heard of Alpha Course? A few of you. How many of you have ever heard of Bravo Course? There's no such a course. But anyway, so Alpha Course is, a, is an incredible thing that probably we want to do sometime here as well. But it's very nice in terms of helping people to understand just the basics of Christianity. And it's a very informal, non-threatening way to introduce people to it. So what they do is they gather together, they have a meal. Those that are attending it have a meal together. Watch a video about 20 minutes, and then they discuss the the details of what the video was all about. It's a 12-week course, and so we're starting it with in 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 Victoria Falls this week, where a couple of people are going to meet together around a meal and then watch this. So please be praying for them. God is building foundation layer upon layer into the community in the falls, and so you're part of that. It's very exciting to to be able to just partner with. Uh, our friends in the falls. And so if you ever get to the falls, try to do it over a Sunday. We're doing it every, Sunday, every second Sunday. So plan your time around that. If you want to go and watch the falls and visit and whatever else, do it, every, do it on the weekend that we're meeting. It'll be great to have you there. And so just great to be able to celebrate what God's doing across that side. And um, it's an absolute delight just to be able to stand in front of you here and uh, testify of the goodness of God, we watched this video and, and various faces came up, many of your faces, 
Some of your faces look the same still as what it looked. Some of yours look a little, little bit older. You're trying to hide it behind a mask, Mr. Rundle, that's fine. Uh, but anyway, it's, it's just so good to be able to see what God has been doing over the last nine years. We do not have children's church yet. We're actually just waiting for the schools to commence so that we can kind of like fall in line with with just what um, what's happening around with schools. And then as soon as we're ready, we'll let you know. So children are obviously welcome to be with us. Um, those that are over 80, you're also welcome to be with us. I'm just looking around if there are any, none. Um, but there's no age restriction in terms of what we're doing. We're just asking you to look after the over 80s when you do bring them. And the under eights also when you do bring them as well. But um, you're all welcome to be together. We're asking you, please, as Clive has said, please stick with the regulations. We do find it important to ask people not to hug. There are people that are finding it uncomfortable to be hugged. And some people don't mind to hug. What we're asking you is, please consider one another. And saying, for this time being... I'm not going to come and expect you to hug or just approach you and hug you because I don't care. Maybe they do. And we don't want people to stay away for a hug and not come because they may be hugged. That would be a sad thing, isn't it? And so rather just enjoy the smile. All right. I love physical touch too. I love to hug. But I think it's good that we consider one another in that area. All right. Is that Okay. If you're not today, it'll be so visible because your hat will go up and down. That's great. I can't see the smile of approval, but I can see a, a nod. That'll be kind. And do want to warn you, so should you fall asleep during the preach, it'll also be quite exposed because your head will drop, and then your hat will show it. Okay. All right. God, we thank you this morning for the joy of being together. It is so great to be able to celebrate what you've done over nine years. Lord God, to be able to get together again on this day after having not been able to do it for the last nine, ten weeks is, is also wonderful. And we thank you for this moment of celebrating your goodness. We give you all the honor, Lord God, for nine years. We're looking forward to more, Lord God, years of not just gathering, but of impacting this community through lives transformed lives, Lord God, that will bring honor and glory to your name. We pray for this, Father. We trust you that in our time together this morning that you will establish and that you will build and that you will develop something in our hearts that will continue, I pray, and bring glory and honor to you. Trust for this in Jesus' name. Amen. There's a word that, a word that is defined as follows. An occasion when someone or something stops something from happening for a period of time. I'll read it again and you try to do, come to a conclusion what that word would be. It says, it's an occasion when someone or something stops something from happening for a period of time. And normally we would define this word as A what? COVID. We just use a different word, all right? We call it interruption. Equals COVID. Uh-huh. 
And, and all of us, not some of us, but all of us have experienced interruptions. If up to this or last year this time you never had an interruption ever in your life, <laughs> it came and it's called COVID. We're not talking about COVID this morning. We're talking about interruptions in life that come unplanned, unannounced, and often quite um, unexpected. And it brings a great level of annoyance to our lives, isn't it? When we don't want it to happen. For instance, if I would be busy preaching and somebody would come up and, and just quickly come and ask me a question. I'll deal with it. Maybe, um, Chris, could you do that? Just come up quickly, please. This is not rehearsed, all right? So that's why he's... So, sorry, you wanted to ask a question? All right, um, now maybe just go and just talk. All right, you can go sit down, that's fine. All right, once you sit down, why don't you just come back again, please, Chris? I'll just come back. Please come. No, 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 please come. Chris, please come. I'm trying to show something. you got to come again. <laughs> no, man, he's not acting. <laughs> so what would happen, Chris, you can take your seat. You're not helping me. <laughs> is that if he comes up all the time, that'll be a great annoyance to you, isn't it? And to me too, I'm a sad. <laughs> it's like eventually somebody just take him away. And we've had that often in, in a meeting where just something goes wrong. It's like, or Zessa, or an, and we call those interruptions in life, isn't it? And interruptions are things that we don't often deal well with. Particularly if you're on your, own, on your way somewhere and you've got to get to your destination at a specific time and you're in a car and there's just too much traffic or, or, or these days at the toll gates as you travel through, they've got to swipe, they've got to, you know, you know do the eco cash thing or there's no cash and, and the queues are mounting up and cars are keeping you from going through. It's a major interruption for some of us to be stopped like that. And we have those things in life, isn't it? called interruptions, and they're often quite annoying. I remember an interruption in my life. It was in December 1986. How many of you can remember that far back? Uh, I was like two years old. <laughs> I can remember those things that happened in my life when I was only young. <laughs> so I was, I was anticipating going the next year, the following year, 1987, I was going to start my studies in law. I wanted to be a lawyer. And so I had done some, some studies already in 1986. I was in the National Defense Force in South Africa, and, and I was preparing to go and full-time study. I had done some part-time studies that year, 1986, and I was ready for it. And then 1986, December, I received a mail I received a physical mail. Those of you that don't understand this, it's stuff that you don't receive via the electronic format. It's an actual piece of paper in an envelope. That thing that's on your screen, you actually have those things in real life. There's some of them there. So I received an envelope with a note inside the envelope. Uh-huh. Sasha, never had that before. Hey. Anyway, and it had my name on. And so I opened it, and I knew it was from UNISA, South African University. I had done some studies to prepare for the following year of full-time studies, and my results of the exam was in that piece of paper. And the results were an incredible interruption 
because I miserably failed. I'm just being very open, vulnerable to you this morning, that I failed an exam in, in, in law. But I still believe that it was God. It was in me. He wanted me, he wanted to interrupt my pursuit of legal studies. And so he forced me to fail. I was not involved in that. It was just God. And so an interruption came in my life that caused me to reconsider my way forward. Because for 16%, you don't really qualify. Shouldn't have said that, eh? That's again another proof of God trying to interrupt my course of direction. Because at 16%, you realize this is probably not the way that you should be going. I'm being very vulnerable. Don't take this beyond the walls that you're on. And so I said, God, if this is you, you've got to then tell me what else I should do. Because I thought that this is it, and I never asked him. I got saved in 1986, and during that time, I was already studying for what I thought I wanted to be, and, and God came with this major interruption, and I had to now say, okay, God, if, if that's the, the situation, what is the alternative? And the alternative is what you see in front of me, me preaching. And so I, I felt that God then at that time said to me, no, I didn't call you there. You never asked me. And I brought this interruption. He didn't say that he was the cause for the 16%, but I do believe it was. Um, and, and I had to alter my direction. And today I'm so thankful for that interruption that came in my life. You see, sometimes interruptions come that we despise heavily. But actually, they are often God speaking to us to try to get our attention. Bessie's going this way, and he's like, ah, 16%. Yo, God, that's not right. Yeah, I want to speak to you. And so it's not in any way justifying some of you not studying and doing well in your exams and saying, ah, the guy there the other day preached, and he said, if you fail, it's probably okay because it's God just trying to get your attention. Yeah, maybe he's getting your attention to study more. In my case, he didn't say that. <laughs> he said, study something different. And anyway, the point I'm trying to make this morning is that God interrupts. And you find throughout Scripture so many times and when, when God came and interrupted people's lives and how that interruption led to something different. Some of the examples is, is this Moses. He's out there just amongst the sheep like these balloons and he's shepherding the, sleep, the sheep and then suddenly there's a burning bush. And he's like, what's happening here? This thing is not actually burning in the sense that it's dying or just killing the tree. There's something significant. And God speaks to him. And he says, go back to Egypt. Another story is David, similarly, also just minding his own business and shepherding. And then he gets called because there's a man at his father's house that says, there must be another son here. Because I've come to anoint a person to be the king of Israel. And all the sons here, they don't fit what God had told me. Go call, there must be another one. There's this man just minding his own business and he's interrupted. And he gets called into his father's household and he's anointed to be king. That's a major interruption. We find that Mary, Mary's life is interrupted. An angel appears to her and says, you will be the mother of the Messiah. And you will call him Jesus. That's a major interruption. She's not even married yet. We find the fishermen. They just 
Like guys with dead Karibo, whatever, damn. He's like, ha ha, this is great. Let's pull out another bream. That's nice. Somebody comes and says, follow me. Now I will make you fishers of men. That's a massive interruption to their lives. They leave everything and they follow. There's this man called Saul. He's on his way to Damascus. He's going to kill the Christians. There are many of them who are going out there and they're following Christ. He says, I'm going to stop them. I'm going to kill them like I've done already. A light suddenly shines out of heaven and a voice says to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? He's like, who's that? An interruption comes in his life. And the result of that interruption is two-thirds of the New Testament written by the man called Paul because one day an interruption came into his life and changed his life forever. I'm going to say to you this morning, that Jesus has come to interrupt our lives. We're busy in a series and have been since the beginning of the year. For those of you that were able to read or listen or watch as we delivered messages, we've been talking about the King and I. And in that series, we've been focusing on the book of Matthew. I hope that you're following with us. It's an incredible journey as we go through the book of Matthew. And in that, we're finding that that the king and what he expects of us is so different than what we want and how we want to live. And we've been speaking about the king and my allegiance. We spoke about the king and my expectations. I want to say to you that there are various things in this book called Matthew that will shake our world because the king comes and he introduces different things. And for the next couple of weeks, we're going to talk about the king and my values, how they are different. And what the king Jesus had come to do when he arrived here on earth is he came and he presented something different, a different value system to us. And the beautiful thing about Matthew is that they're like five bulk sermons, if you want to call it, that Jesus uses to deliver, to present to us these different values. We can also talk about the king and my priorities. What priorities the king says I hold to have and what mine are. And we're going to also talk about the king and my lifelong mission, what I'm supposed to be being, doing and being here on earth. But for the next few weeks, we're going to talk about the king and my values. And we're going to look at these areas where Jesus gives us credible kingdom principles as a way to interrupt our thinking. And he does it unapologetically. He doesn't come and say, sorry, 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 Clive. Sorry to disturb your world. Sorry. I, I know this could be offensive and it could be a little bit different. No, he doesn't do it that way. He just says, this is what I introduce. This is what I suggest. Actually, this is what I command. It's not an optional extra for us. The kingdom of God, when it's about him and me, I submit he speaks. It's the king. That's what the kingdom of God. And if we say I'm a follower of the king, then I've got to listen to what the king is saying. Amen? I love it again when you say amen. Well, when you amen, I don't hear it. I can just see it. Love it. 
we are in that environment as we page through these five sermons. It's basically Matthew 5 to 7. It's in Matthew 10. It's in Matthew 13. It's in Matthew 18 to 20. It's in Matthew 24 to 26. Just those five sections where Jesus gives us kingdom values. And he says, I'm interrupting your world. That's what Jesus came to do, by the way. Primarily, he interrupted the world of sin. And he gave us a way out of sin. He interrupts our way of thinking with kingdom values. I don't ask you to open yourself up to the different way that God wants us to live. And hence, the title of this message this morning is just a different life in the kingdom of God. The different life in the kingdom of God. And for us to be able to embrace, understand, first of all, perhaps, to hear the different values of the kingdom, we've got to be interrupted. We, we're so used to a different, a certain way of living. Like I was, 1986, and many times since then, by the way, that God has interrupted my life. He's spoken, directed, redirected, never, praise the Lord, misdirected, because he never misdirects us. He always directs us in the right path. And so if we go to, for instance, I want to ask you to please take up your Bibles and, and go to the book of Matthew, wonderful, and we'll go to the chapter 5, first of all, where Jesus introduces us to this incredible different way of thinking, and, and we're going to be journeying through some of these things over the next couple of weeks, looking at how different it is. Because, yeah, in chapter 5, Jesus is, is delivering this famous sermon of his that we have called the Sermon on the Mount, which is really because he was on a mountain, all right? He just took the disciples with him. He went and he sat down, as rabbis would often do. A teacher would go and sit down and speak. And his followers, his disciples, or the crowds, as the Bible says, would be ready, now, what Jesus was explaining here is linked to Matthew 4, verse 17. And if you read that quickly, it says, Matthew 4, 17, it says, Jesus began to preach, saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So he's preparing them and saying, God, something different is coming. I'm delivering to you principles, or I'm introducing to you the kingdom of heaven. Now, in Matthew 5, he starts explaining what the kingdom of heaven should look like. So he's bringing heaven to earth through our lives. So the kingdom of heaven is, is evident on earth through the lives of his people, like you and me. Amen? One day Jesus would come and rule the full effect of that here on earth. But until then, the kingdom of heaven comes through submissive lives, submitted lives to the king, enabling the kingdom principles to function here on earth. Do you see that? So now when we go through those five block sermons, we see what he teaches us, those values that our lives should embrace. And say, so, yeah, okay, I want to be like that. Or, ooh, it's a bit much. And you'll find that plenty of them will be like, ooh. But the, the ambition that we all should have is not my will be done, but yours. 
So I see that there's an area where I do it this way. I see that what the kingdom of heaven looks like, I need to not bring that closer to me. I need to bring myself closer to that. So in our pursuit of talking about the king and I, this is what we're doing. I'm over here. The king is there. I've got to come closer. Not he's got to come into my world. And he's never going to do that, by the way. It's always going to be me coming to him. Does that make sense? And so we find here in this portion called the Beatitudes, already just wonderful principles that he teaches us about a different value system. This, this sermon really is to guide and regulate our practice. Jesus yeah, gives us a character of those who are entitled to blessedness. Because he says every time, there's eight times that he says, blessed are you if you, etc., etc. And the word blessed is really just to say, actually, there's a state of blessedness that you will enter. Or there's a, there's a state of happiness or satisfaction or fulfillment that you will find if this is part of your life. In this world, we, we consider, and this is what Jesus comes to interrupt, by the way. Here's his first interruption, if I may just call it like this. We live in a world where we say, blessed are the following. And I'll just quote them. Blessed are they that are rich. Sure, you guys are so blessed. Amazing. I'm not mocking it, but I'm just saying that's the world standard. That's what Jesus comes to interrupt. The world says, blessed are they that are famous. Or just everybody knows their name. You guys are so blessed. Blessed are those that are powerful. They've got a lot of incredible impact and, 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 and effect on people's lives. They have they have significance in this world. Blessed are those people, we would think. Or blessed are, are, the, are the beautiful. Man, your, your face is just everywhere and, 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 on, and on, you know, magazines and, and, and just people love to just look at your face or, or your body and blessed are you, favored amongst all men or women because of your looks. Or, or blessed is the well-dressed. Or you're so blessed to be able to afford that kind of um, clothes and because that makes you stand out. You're so blessed, aren't you? Or, or blessed are the well-educated. You've been able to, to go through various colleges and universities and, and, and you are so blessed to be able to be well-educated or, or well-known. You're known in this community. People talk about you. Whenever we, we meet, it's always, hey, hello, Sid. I'm just next to Sid, but nobody greets me. It's just Sid is greeted because everybody knows Sid. Blessed are you, Sidney, because you're well known. That is the frame of thinking that we live well, isn't it? Hey, Blessed are you because you have a lot of material possessions. Blessed are you because you this. And, but Jesus comes and he interrupts that thinking. Yeah. He shares it with us. He says, guys, these are the real happy people. And so we equal happiness with all the worldly stuff. Jesus brings happiness and blessedness into a different context. And so this is a major interruption. And you're going to see that all these things that he talks about are there actually to help us out of a certain frame of, way of thinking into a new one. And that is what the children of God should have. And so I hope that I'm interrupting your thoughts this morning. I really hope. And it's interrupting mine. 
And, and I trust that it won't be an annoyance. But it will be something that you say, I submit to this. Because the first thing that he says is, these are the happy people, really. <laughs> happy are you when you're poor in spirit. <laughs> happy are you when you really realize that I have an utter selflessness. I am helpless without God. That's what it really means to be poor in spirit. And, and you know what? Jesus celebrates everything. He celebrates poverty. He celebrates wealth. He doesn't condemn people. And so we're not firstly talking about a spirit or a physical poverty here, but we're talking about a, a spiritual um, understanding and recognition that I'm completely dependent and utterly dependent upon God, not just for spiritual food, but for physical and material possession. I'm desperate for God. Yes, God has given me skills to be able to accumulate things, but I'm actually still beyond all of that. I'm still dependent upon Him. And Jesus says, happy are you if that is your heart, if that is the way that you think. One of the major stumbling blocks for us to get to the place where we say, I'm desperate for you is my own wealth, my own accomplishments, my own prestige. Jesus says, if you come to me and you say, I'm nothing, you everything, I need you, I'm desperate for you. He says, blessed are you, blessed are you. It's such a different standard than what we know in this world. And it's amazing that the key principle that comes through here in this very first verse, in verse 3, of being poor in the Spirit, talks about a humility. So in a sense, the first lesson that he gives us about being truly happy, you see it? He says, true happiness, my people, are found in humility. That's the first thing that he brings out. He says, I want to teach you new principles. I'm interrupting your way of life. And the first interruption is about humility. Incredible, isn't it? It's not about how you accumulate stuff and how you do well at this and how best you can do that. It's an attitude of the heart. And so all of these are that. He speaks right into our hearts. And so he interrupts. Somebody that speaks into your heart is an, is an interruption. I had this friend that always, whenever he would see me, he'd say, so Vessi, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm fine, thanks. And he would say, so how's your soul? It's a bit of an interruption, isn't it? It's like a deep question that. It's easy to say, I'm fine, thanks. But if he asks you, so how are you doing deep down here in your soul? I'm like, whoa, it takes a bit of thinking. And I don't know if I always want to share with you what I'm going through deep down inside. Now Jesus says, if you, if you dig deep, if you look at the inside of you and you find that there's a need for me and you call out from deep within, happy are you. Happy are you, he says. Then he carries on. <laughs> he says, happy or blessed are those who mourn. Now, mourning here is not primarily associated, again, with what we think it is in terms of a grieving for a loss in the sense of I've gone through a period of loss and, and, and we all have and, and probably will go through periods of losing a loved one, close one, or things in our lives. But Jesus is not referring to that primarily. He's referring to the following 
that it, that it is associated with repentance and godly sorrow. Where we come before him and say, God, I, I repent because I've had this attitude. And, and, I, and I mourn that I had that one or I did this and I, and I am like this. I'm, I'm deeply, deeply sorrowful for how I'm behaving and what I'm doing and, and how I'm thinking. I'm deeply regretful of that kind of lifestyle. Jesus says, happy are you. Happy are you if that is how you behave. Some of the things that, that just create these morning moments or trigger them would be that, I, that I'm reading through Scripture or I'm listening to something taught from Scripture and subsequently Holy Spirit is like tapping me on the shoulder and saying, huh, that's you. That's you. There's something that needs to be uh, highlighted and changed and adjusted in my life and I'm, oh goodness, that's me. Or I, and I don't skip and I'll just, no, nah, it's not probably that serious. But immediately there's this deep sorrow that comes into my heart and I realize, man, that's me. I'm like that. And I, I feel this conviction and I say, God, I'm sorry. Or when I'm around people and, and I see just an example in somebody else's life, and I realize, hey, that's not me. I'm not like that. I just see how he loves his wife. I'm not there. Or how she just does whatever she's called to do with an incredible, joyful attitude, and, and there's not a complaining sentence from her mouth. And I'm like, man, that's not me. I do the opposite. I complain. I, I resist. I'm arrogant. I'm full of pride. And I look at somebody else's life and I'm like, oh, that's not me. And there's a mourning that comes in my spirit that says, I don't want to live like this anymore. I want some of that. And that's the beautiful thing of hanging around people, by the way, which I find it so sad that during this COVID time, we fall prey to. And I understand the distancing and all that stuff. But don't disconnect from people. Because one of the things that you disconnect yourself from is the possibility of being interrupted by God because you see something in their lives that you want to. And we think, oh, I'm okay. We're not okay alone. Well done again for coming. But stay connected. Another moment that could trigger a mournful attitude is is where something tragic happens because of my doing. Something happens because I made it happen. I caused harm to somebody else. I did, I said, I whatever. And in that moment I realized that was wrong. I shouldn't have. Jesus says, happy are you who mourn in that moment and say, Jesus, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have. I'm so sorry. He says, if you, have, if you like that, you shall be comforted, the promise there. Folk, it's again an interruption. Let's not become so ignorant and unsensitive to what we may do and have done to others where we have hurt them, where we have rejected them, where we've just completely shut them out of our lives. And Holy Spirit comes and he says, that's not right. Shall we be those that say, I'm sorry, God. I'm deeply, deeply regretful for what I've done. He says, if you do that, you will be comforted. Not only that, but you will be happy. 
It's so different to what we think happiness is, isn't it? Oh, blessed are those. No, blessed are these. Another one that he says you will find great blessing through is the word meek. How many of you used the word meek in the last year? Hey? We don't use that word. It's not a common word to use because often we consider, oh, that's nice. I can kick balloons while I'm preaching. We, we, we consider meekness to weakness, isn't it? Ah, don't be weak, man. I'm meek and little one. Just be strong. And so we don't celebrate meekness because we see meekness as a sign of weakness. But Jesus says, I celebrate meekness. He puts it in his word and he says to us, the first thing that I want to use to interrupt your life is to use words like meekness. And say to you, there's value in being meek. What does it mean to be meek? To help us understand why Jesus would celebrate such an attitude. For me, I, just in terms of studying, it really is those that are quietly submitted to God. Just internally, there's a choice that I make. I submit to you, Lord God. I don't go around telling everybody about it. The second thing, it's those that are, they respond with a soft answer. You know how we all respond in various ways? Sometimes it's not a soft answer. <laughs> the Bible says in, in Proverbs, it says a soft answer turns away wrath. If somebody comes to you with, with a, a certain action, Jesus says, blessed are you that don't come with a similar action, but with a softness in your heart. That's what he celebrates. The world is, he said, what to you? Ah, you should have done the same, buddy. Why did you just walk away? No, the world celebrates when we break each other down. When we belittle one another. When we discredit another person. Oh, he did this to me. I just want to tell you about him. That's what the world celebrates. Blessed are you when you have the right answer to kind of cut him short. Oh, that was good, buddy. That was a good response. You just stopped him in his track and you told him, you know, what he needed to know. That's great. Jesus says, blessed are you when you have a soft answer. Blessed are the meek, not the weak. You're not being, it's probably one of the most greatest moments of strength when you have a soft answer instead of a deserved, hard, penetrating, powerful response. That's what the world celebrates. But Jesus comes and he interrupts that thinking. And he says, this is how I want you to respond. Blessed are you, my sons and my daughters. When you're meek, he says the promise How's this? For they shall inherit the earth. Gee, that's an incredible inheritance. It says, you can walk here on earth. It's not like the earth belongs to you and you can go and claim whatever. <laughs> I'm not talking. It's just saying, there's authority that comes upon you when you respond in this way. When you cool, when others are steaming. We live in a world where people are steaming, isn't it? And, and we steam. And he says, blessed are you when, you when you keep your cool, when you control your, your spirit and your soul, when everything else around you is just 
out of place. When, when you actually, you have all the right, according to what worldly standards say, to also respond that way. He says, happy are you when you don't, when you're meek. <laughs> we need to celebrate different things in life, don't you see? We're so prone just to, to allow the world standards to determine what should be celebrated and what happiness really is. These are the interruptions that God comes I want to share you with you one more and then close. We're not going to be able to go through it, but we'll go carry on going through them. The next one he says is, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. How many of you want to be satisfied? You know, all of us live with an appetite. Amen? Now, you, we all know that we have an appetite for drink and we have an appetite for food. Amen? Again, let those hats flow, please. Just let there be all of you, no matter how spiritual you want to be, and you all have an appetite for food and drink. Uh-huh. And and we 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 nourish that, we we feed that or, or adhere to that appetite regularly. Because we some of us eat twice a day, some of us eat three times a day, and some of us eat in the middle, in between all of that. We still eat because there's an appetite. And now Jesus says, if you have an appetite for what is right. He says, you will truly be satisfied. He says, blessed will you be if that is your appetite. If that is the longing of your soul to say, God, I know, I want to read what is right. And I want to express what is right. And I want to exhibit what is right. I want to thirst and hunger for what is right. And not just go around exposing myself to all the different standards. I want to allow you to interrupt my thinking about what is right and what is wrong. Jesus says, happy are you if that is how you live. The amazing thing is that as you and I know, we may have eaten five hours ago. And I remember Samina often jokes with us. Because when we say we've had a good meal, we're like, I'm never going to eat again. Man, that was such good food. I'm like, I'll probably never be hungry again. Huh? And we know that lasts like a few hours. And they're like, oh, my goodness, I can't believe it. I mean, I said those very words, isn't it? I'm never going to be hungry again. It's like three hours later for some of these youngsters, like three minutes later, they're like hungry again. And, and, and we go and feed. We're going to try to do something about that hunger, isn't it? Uh-huh. Victor, you, you're so holy over there. It's amazing. It's not part of your life. I know. understand. You can manage. No, but the reality is all of us will are desperate for food again. How desperate are we for the righteousness of God? How, how often do we feed ourselves with, with His Word and, and what is right? And how often do we, do we expose ourselves to what is right? Jesus says, you're really blessed if you're hungry, hunger and thirst after His righteousness. And after what is right, if you're in in situation and circumstances, we hunger for for doing the right thing in that moment. It's all fine to hunger for it now because it's easy here. And by the way, we're going to have cupcakes just now. The right thing is not to hunger for the cupcake, but it's to hunger for others, for everybody to have a cupcake. Now, that's a different ballgame, isn't it? (laughs) Not just, I'll take another one just in case. This one is not enough for me. That's just a side note. 
the point is we have ample opportunity to to hunger for doing the right thing and for the righteousness of God to come into our lives and into circumstances in our lives. So we go from here, we go into our home, we go into our workplace tomorrow, we go to school, whatever, and, and there are opportunities to do the right thing. I want to encourage you to as much as you hunger for food and drink, hunger for the righteousness of God in, to come into broken, dysfunctional, out-of-place situations. May you walk into them and say, no, this is not right. The way that they treat this person is not right. I hunger and I thirst for righteousness to come here. This is what all of us are supposed to do. For me, one of the big things is that the church of Jesus Christ is an essential service wherever we go. And I'm not disputing what the government says. I'm just saying we can be the church without meeting. You can go and long for the righteousness of God to come wherever you are. That's the church at work. You go into a context where there's injustice and discrimination and whatever it is where people are not treated the way that they should be treated. Hunger for th- and thirst for righteousness there, please. Not just here where it's all fine and easy. But go in as agents and, and ambassadors of the kingdom of God. Be an interruption like God has interrupted our lives. Go and interrupt injustice and unrighteousness and discrimination and inequality. Go and interrupt that, please. You've got a mandate from heaven that says, if that is your life, you're a happy person. You're a happy person. That's what God calls us to. So the king and I results in practical outworking of stuff. Amen? And here's just some. We just covered... How many? Four of those, of eight in, in, in the Beatitudes. Then we've got the rest of Matthew to still go through. This is going to be an interruption of note. <laughs> so hang on. Stay with us and allow God to what he is already addressing this morning, where he's interrupting your thinking, my thinking. Please allow him to do it. Don't ignore him. Say, oh, no, it's not for me. It's for, <laughs> for, for someone else. No, let him interrupt your life, my friend, I pray. And if the interruption this morning is that we need to repent, we need to readjust, we need to ask for forgiveness, please be humble enough to do that. Is that okay? Let's pray. As we pray, we're going to prepare our hearts for a time around the communion table. This communion table talks about, the elements talks about this incredible interruption that came into the life of humanity, where a man came, where a God came in the form of a man and interrupted our lives and interrupted sin so that we could receive forgiveness and salvation. And our prayer this morning is that you, as you partake of these elements, that you will recognize your own need for God to continue to interrupt your life. And that as you celebrate the cup, and the bread, you will recognize that it's Jesus coming into our world, dying for our sins, and us accepting that is recognizing that we need him in our lives. As we drink of it, and this table is open for anybody that has a testimony that Jesus Christ is Lord of your life. This is not just open for anybody to come. We're not, we're not saying that you've got to be a member of King City Church. What I'm saying is that you've got to be a member of the kingdom of God. And I know that there are children here this morning. I'm asking that you as a parent 
If your child has not come to full faith in Jesus Christ, don't let them partake. It's not a ritual. It's not just, hey, come and just drink. Let's make sure that we honor what it stands for. If your child understands and they recognize that Jesus Christ is is Lord of their lives, then sure, they're entitled to it. But it's not just a free-for-all. It is for those that are followers of Jesus Christ. And so, Father, as we just thank you for your interruptions in our lives, through your son Jesus, through the principles that Jesus brought us, I pray that we will have a willingness to submit ourselves to whatever form of interruption it is that you're presenting to us. I pray this morning, Lord God, that as we now also partake of the elements of the bread and the cup, that we will recognize just what it means and what it stands for, that we will celebrate what you've done for us, that in this moment also, Lord God, we will apply the reality of Jesus needing to be king of my life. As we're talking through Matthew, Father, we thank you that your son Jesus came to be king. And we want him to be king of our lives, not just on Sundays, but every day of our lives. And Lord, I thank you that whatever interruption you've just highlighted this morning in our lives, that as we partake of the elements right now, we will say, Jesus, in this area where I see that I'm not meek, where I'm not humble, where I'm not hungry for you and for what is right, Lord God, where where I'm just ignoring being mournful of things that have gone wrong, where I've hurt, I pray that you will help me to apply these things. And as we partake of these elements right now, we pray, Father, that it will become real what Jesus has done for us on the cross in those four areas, particularly today. I trust for that, Jesus. I trust you, Jesus. Thank you that as we also would go from here, Lord God, and enjoy our day, I thank you that we can do so in honor of you, bring glory to you. We thank you for nine years, Lord God, for King City Church. We thank you for the many more to come. May your name be glorified through our lives and all that we do, say, or think. Trust for that in Jesus' name.